Today I'm going to continue, as Kurt already mentioned, in a series called Greatness. And uh, today, the big idea of our conversation is simply this. We're better together. We're better together. It's been said that if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I wish that my life was more reflective of going together. I confess, I regularly do too much alone. I'm asking the Lord to continue to change me. I'm asking the Lord to continue to speak to me. I'm asking the Lord to continue to be at work in me so that I won't do what's easy but I'll engage in the good work of the Spirit. You see, sometimes it's just easier to go alone. Today, to take a look at better together, I want to point your attention to Acts chapter 2, passage that uh, we've reviewed and looked at on several occasions over the past uh, almost 20 years now. But today, with a little bit of a different twist regarding Acts chapter 2. I want to talk to us today about being a faithful community. Greatness, greatness I believe is being a faithful community. And I find the marks of faithfulness as the early church emerges in the book of Acts and as we see the work of God engaging his people as he tells us the stories of his work within them, and his work through them. And so today, we're going to look at uh, Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42, and I'm going to read through uh, verse 47. Today I'm reading from the New Living Translation. We like to change it up every now and again, and uh, I'm going to just read this lengthy passage. You can follow along with me if you like in your Bible or on your mobile device, however you choose. It says this, All believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. If you want to just stop right there, that's sort of our highlight verse. That, that, that would be the verse that we say, well, that's the memory verse. That's sort of our highlighted verse for today. Verse 43, A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Again, the sort of the highlighted passage, verse 42, And all believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. If we're going to be a community that is found faithful or a faithful community... I believe we have to orient ourselves rightly and appropriately with regard to understanding how faithfulness works in and through a community. And so as we highlight this passage today, let's just begin simply with an acknowledgement that is assumed as we get to verse 42 because it's taken place previously. 
taken place previously as Luke tells us the story in chapters 1 and 2. And so, so we, we could quickly move on here, but let's pause just for a moment. And in your listening sheet, the first place we want to pause today is simply an identification, and that's this. For us to be a faithful community, we have to live out of a sense that God is faithful. God is faithful. You see, the picture of the Father's faithfulness expressed in community, verses 42 through 47 of chapter 2, is seen in the outpouring of the promised Holy Spirit in verses or chapters 1 and, 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 and chapters 2, what preceded. See, interestingly enough, God is faithful. And we, we could just start right there. We just take a look at, at Luke's writings in Acts. But, but we could go all the way back. We can work ourselves all the way through the book from Old Testament through New Testament with the brooding presence of the Spirit of God at work in the world and through God's people bringing life and transformation. God is faithful. Just three really quick uh, three quick, brief. That, that's how you get quick. Quick and brief. Quick. Looks at chapter 1 and chapter 2 just to say these are the places where the early church is experiencing the faithfulness of God. Look, look at this. In verses 4 and 5 of chapter 1, saying of Jesus teaching. It says simply this, once he was eating with them and he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Spirit. It, if you've read through the Scripture or as you've read through the Scripture, you hear Jesus regularly and particularly in the Gospel of John reflecting on the notion that he has to go away. But in his going away, it's good for all followers of his because the Spirit will come and they will never be left alone. The Spirit will live with them and be in them and lead them and guide them and point them to truth and righteousness and justice and judgment. And, and the Spirit of God is at work. So this promise of faithfulness, Luke immediately points out and says, Jesus said to us, don't forget the promise of the Spirit is coming. In just a few days, you're going to experience this promised encounter. The second promise is the words of Jesus again in verse 8 of chapter 1. And it says simply this, uh, 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 Luke is talking, he says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The promise, immersion into the Spirit will then be a powerhouse for witness and faithfulness to be lived out here, near, and far. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We've talked about this. Concentric circles expanding our relationships that ultimately lead in the inclusion of others and the other, those who are strangely different than are we or from us. And then I love it. The Spirit is poured out 
and it happens. And the people on whom God's Spirit rests flood out into the marketplace, and it's early in the morning, and everyone in Acts chapter 2, everyone who's watching God's people pour out into the street of the marketplace says, oh, 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 these people have to be intoxicated because they're blabbering on in unknown languages. And then this guy named Peter, who... Uh, regularly stuck his foot in his mouth. Spirit-inspired stands up and says, let me give you some insight into what's happening here. I want to talk to you about the faithfulness of God. He promised that his spirit would come. His spirit has come. And I want to remind you that this just wasn't a recent promise. And he reaches way back into the prophetic nooks and crannies of the Old Testament and he simply stands up and he says listen carefully all of you who can hear me make no mistake about this these people are not intoxicated like you think you've assumed that they're drunken but it's only 9 o'clock in the morning it's way too early to be drunk way too early to be drunk he says no what you see is what was predicted by the prophet Joel. The faithfulness of God. The faithfulness. What you see is what was predicted by the prophet Joel. Many of you are very familiar with what follows. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. I will fulfill my promise in faithfulness. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and I guess now I get to be a dreamer of dreams. <laughs> your old men will dream dreams. In those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike and they will prophesy. Oh, I love it. Prophesy. When we talk about prophecy, sometimes we get really enamored with foretelling. We want to all know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like, wouldn't you like to know what's going to happen tomorrow? And that is an aspect of prophecy, but a real foundational rooted aspect of prophecy is truth-telling. Not, not telling about the future, but truth-telling. And don't you love it? As you continue to read in Acts chapter 2, it says that the drunken ones, the assumed drunken ones, spill into the courtyard, speaking in languages that they haven't heard, or excuse me, haven't learned. And it says that all the people of the marketplace, they were gathered from the nations of the earth. And it says, and we each of us heard the glorious, miraculous power of God being declared in my mother language. Prophecy, the truth-telling of God comes through the outpouring of His Spirit in His fulfillment of promise, which is faithfulness. See, whenever we start talking about being a community of faithful, we're attached to someone, and it's beyond us. We're attached to the faithfulness of the Father. We're attached to the faithfulness of the Father. You see... The faithfulness of God in the outpouring of the Spirit 
begins creating a vibrant, faithful community. A community of God's Spirit-empowered people. See, now, I'm going to argue that all God's people have always lived by the Spirit. There have never been a people of God who didn't live by the Spirit. If you want some, if you want some good reading, just let me give you two books, two really great resources. The book is titled Inspired by Dr. Jack Levison. Inspired by Dr. Jack Levison. It's a book that's just incredibly wonderful. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, then the second book that I want to bring to your attention is the book titled The Face of the Deep. The Face of the Deep by Paul Pastor. Yes, P-A-S-T-O-R. Paul Pastor. I think he's a pastor, or maybe he's a Paul. And so the faithfulness of God is expressed in the outpouring of the Spirit, creating a vibrant community, a community of God's Spirit empowered people, a community who in obedience is being formed and shaped, a community that is vibrant and alive, a community that, as we will see, is faithful. You see, so a faithful God creates space for God's people to be formed into a faithful community. God's people are formed into a faithful community. And here comes our highlighted verse, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. You can look in all kinds of commentaries, and they will say that the early church gave themselves to several things, four of them being specific that they gave themselves to, to the teaching of the apostles, that they gave them to themselves to fellowship, that they gave themselves to gathering together and sharing, and that they gave themselves to prayer. And so when we talk about being God's people, being formed into a faithful community, we might ask the question, well, what does a faithful community look like? And so I want to take the next few minutes and talk about what a faithful community looks like as we're formed by the Spirit using Acts chapter 2 as the backdrop, Okay. So as a faithful community, we, as a faithful community, we share life with one another. As a faithful community, we share life with one another. Now, if I had the chance, I could just pause right here. We'd cluster you into small groups, and, and we just talk about the places and the ways they share their life out of Acts chapter 2, 43 through 47. And you guys would come up with everything that I'm going to say because it's really easy to identify. I mean, th th this is like you just read the text, and the text speaks powerfully, it speaks straightforwardly, and it helps us have a trail on which we can run to understand what it looks like to be a people who are being formed into a faithful community. No secrets here. No hiddenness here. Hard work, commitment, but no secrets or hiddenness. So, a faithful community, we share life with one another. I just simply put it this way. As they shared life with one another, they shared their lives by giving of their time and their resources generously and joyfully. Any 
if you can't do it generously and joyfully, you should do it anyway. <laughs> see, see, sometimes if we think we've got to get to generous and joyfully before we can do something, then we misunderstand the invitation of God. I don't know about you, but, but sometimes I just have to be obedient. And that feelings often follow my active engagement in faith. Feelings often follow my active engagement in faith. You see, they shared their lives by giving of their time and resources generously and joyfully. If that's what the early church did, then aren't we called to be those who share our lives by giving of our time and our resources generously and joyfully? Oh, I hate this. You know, a man's house is his castle, his home. I, I, I like to go home to my castle and shut the door and lock it behind me and sit down and veg out, do whatever I want. I, I, I don't necessarily want to share my life with others. Like, like I'm just confessing. But I'm challenged to do so because faith calls me to do so. Following Jesus calls me to do so. So let me just say two ways, two ways very clearly. The early church shared their lives together in two ways that we can share our lives together. First of all, we can, we can share our lives together in fellowship. Share our lives together in fellowship. And so... <clears throat> Here's what I know that I'm going to do today at least a couple of times before the day is over, and I could share what this, is, this activity is with somebody else. I know that I'm going to eat. I know that I'm going to eat at least a couple of times today. Yeah? I mean, it, it doesn't look like I've missed any meals recently. I'm okay. I, I'm going to eat a couple of times today. You know, you know, what if I just took enough attention to invite somebody to join me. Like, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. What, what, if, what, if, what, if I just, what if I just decided to invite somebody to do it with me? Now, the easy thing is I can invite my family to do it with me with, with ease and with joy. But what if I just had an extra chair or two at the table to invite somebody else that wasn't so close to me or so connected to me See, see, sharing my life together is as simple as sharing a meal with someone. The second, the second phase of that is sharing my life to get with, with others is, is a simple sharing of a meal, but it's also the simple sharing of my home. Like opening just the front door. I, I told you I like to lock my front door and, you know, close it and lock it and hide behind it. But just the willingness to now and again, just now and again. So, don't think every day, you know, says, and they continued every day. I mean, you say, oh, you got to do it every day. Well, no, well, just start easy, you know. Start easy. If you're not doing it ever, you know, start with like once a month. And see if you can make it once a month for about six months. And then add to it, you know. Try a couple of times a month. And then you, you, you get what I'm saying? And then you can just sort of ramp up. And some of you just might become lovers of sharing your life with others. Fellowship. Here's another way that they shared their lives together. 
they gave from their existing resources to one another to meet the needs of all. They gave from their existing resources to meet the needs of others so that they could share. See, they didn't give from what they didn't have. They didn't give out of their lack. They gave from out of what they already had in their possession. It says they sold homes and possessions and food. They shared food that was in their home. They gave out of what they had. So, so giving from their resources to others and to each other, they sold their stuff and they shared their stuff and they became a community who shared their lives with one another. Now, as we move through this, the next thing that happens is, is, uh, is that they shared their lives in worshiping together regularly. And I want to just move you to the next, next. We are a community. As a faithful community, we create space for learning and growth. I want to talk to you about how it is that worshiping regularly creates space for learning and growth. Okay? So when we talk about learning and growth, we, we talk about the two primary engines that drive this church, that drive our church, are, are simply these, Sunday morning worship and small groups. Sunday morning worship and small groups. Kurt's already invited you to sign up for a small group for this semester. There's, there's opportunities. We believe that small groups are a place that you can make new friends and grow spiritually. We think those are two promises that we can sort of help you along the way on with regard to small groups. But when we look at worshiping on Sunday morning and we look at small groups, we didn't just pull these out of thin air and say these are the two, two primary drivers or the engines for the life of our church. We pulled these from the text. We pulled these from observing a faithful community in action. A faithful community in action. And a faithful community in action says they gave themselves regularly to worship and they gave themselves regularly to gathering in one another's home for friendship and encouragement. And so, so creating space, creating space for us is about gathering in Sunday morning worship and gathering in small groups. And these notions are taken from observing the work of the Spirit in the emerging New Testament church. Observing the work of the Spirit. Remember, God is faithful in us by pouring out His Spirit. He pours it into a family, a community that's being formed into faithful communities. And so as we're formed by the Spirit, these are the ways that we move forward. So creating space for learning and growth. And uh, so uh, Larkin, in his commentary on the book of Acts, he says, Today's growing churches manifest the same meta-church, not mega Meta church, the, the big picture, the big picture. Today's growing churches manifest the same meta church pattern. Celebration, celebration, what we did here this morning, joining in large gatherings for worship and instruction and cell group, small group, you just translate that, small groups, meeting in homes for fellowship and nurture. Fellowship and nurture making new friends, and growing spiritually. See, we create space for learning and growth, and the two places that we give our attention to primarily are these, Sunday morning worship and active engagement in small groups. That's how we do it. Now, there's all kinds of other things you can do, but the two primary engines that drive our church, Sunday morning worship and small groups. 
And then the final thing about being the people of God who are being formed into a faithful community. As we are a faithful community, we will be a people who pray expecting God to answer. We'll be a people who pray expecting God to answer. Again, Larkin in his commentary says this. He says, Prayer is the essential link between Jesus and his people as they carry out his kingdom work under his guidance by his strength. You see, spirit-empowered people. Prayer is the essential link between Jesus and his people as they carry out his kingdom work under his guidance and by his strength. You could just say, living an empowered life. So, as we talk about praying, we talk about praying several ways. We pray for our friends. Just look around. Some of you can see your friends right here. You, you have some friends. You're making new friends. And, and so, as you pray, it's easy to pray for your friends. It's easy for us to pray for our families. In the emerging early church, it was clear that the Spirit of God empowered them and released them to tell their story of faithfulness, God's faithfulness, and presence, and power. It says that they were filled with awe and that wonderful signs and miracles flowed through the, the disciples and that there was this transformation. And at the end of this message that Peter preached in chapter 2, it says that uh, 3,000 people were added to the church in one single day. Wow, what, a, what, a, what an amazing thing. Just imagine what would happen if 3,000 people got added to any church anywhere today. That'd be awesome. <laughs> and scary. But then it says the normal occurrence in the early church was this. The Lord, the Lord added to the church daily. Now I'm going to make an assumption I'm going to make an assumption when, that they, when they saw the Spirit of God reach 3,000 people in a single day, it fueled their fire. It fanned their flame. And they said, wow, God is awesome. He can do most anything. He's bringing people to faith. I think we should could pray that, that more people should come to faith. So there's my, there's, my, there's my assumption. My assumption is simply this. 3,000 people coming to faith fueled them to pray for more. And it just simply says it wasn't their work, but it was the work of the Lord that continued to bring people on a regular basis. What would it look like if we began to pray for people who don't yet know? For people who don't yet know. What if we simply began to pray the words of the chorus of the song that we sang today? What if we began to pray this? God, would you take their hand? Would you guide them on? Would you show them the way to life? God, would you lift their head? Would you give them hope? Would you show them the way to life? For those who don't yet know you, would you lead them? Would you guide them? Would you fill them with hope? Would you show them the way 
to life in you that is a grander, bigger, better way of living than any one of us can imagine on our own. And what would it look like if we begin to pray expecting God to answer? You see, the reason that we're building the new building is because it's our passionate desire to send deeper roots into this community. And you guys have been praying with us for really, 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 how many more reallys do I have to say? Really, 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 really long time. And we stand on the edge of occupancy. Kurt mentioned to you that uh, <clears throat> the Fencewood building team, that wasn't Barnwood, that was Fencewood. Reclaimed, it's beautiful, it's looking great. That team was working to create space for people to experience the powerful transformation of a God who loves them. That's why we, that's why we say, that's why we say, that John 1.14 has been so powerful in the formation of why we're doing what we're doing. And, and, and Eugene Peterson says, the Spirit of God came and Jesus was transformed and he came in flesh and blood and it simply says he moved into the neighborhood. He moved into the neighborhood, up close and personal. The building of the new building allows us to move into the new neighborhood in a deeper, more powerful way, not just for today and not just for tomorrow, but for the next several generations, the next several decades. And I hope to be here for a really, really long time to see the work that God will do at 2905 Harkey Road. And so we've been praying. We've been praying, and we've been praying for God to grant us occupancy, and we've been praying for God to bring people. And if you just look around the room today, many of the people who are here today are, are relatively new to the life of our church, and we are thankful that God has brought you here to make new friends and to grow spiritually and to discover the love of Jesus. So as we pray, we pray expecting God to answer that he will bring us those who do not yet know him. See, prayer is the essential link between Jesus and his people as they carry out his kingdom work under his guidance and his strength. So we've called you to pray about lots of things. And first and foremost is simply this, that God will release his love in a powerful way into our community that lives would be transformed as they discover his great love.